Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering what you would do if you had to rename your company or how would you go about in naming a new product or a new service you created? Our guest today is Alexandra Watkins, who shares with us her tried and true methods for branding, rebranding, and name creation. Now, Alexandra is a leading and outspoken authority on brand names with Buzz. If you have ever eaten a Wendy's Baconator, you have literally eaten the words. For nearly 20 years, she and her naming firm, Eat My Words, have created love at first sight brand names for countless companies, including Amazon, Coca-Cola, Disney, Twitter, and Google. Her own name Hall of Fame includes Frozen Yogurt Franchise, Spoon Me, The Nito Robotic Vacuum, Burger King's Mac and Cheetos, and Spanish Language School, Gringo Lingo. Alexandra is a former author in residence with the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. Her breakthrough creativity book, Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick, was a top 10 marketing book by Inc. Magazine which by the way, I've read her book and it is fantastic. It's one of my favorite business books I've read in many years. It's practical, insightful, easy to read, and you can get through it quickly with great tips and advice. And it's one of the reasons I'm excited to have her on the podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into my interview with Alexandra Watkins. I'm Alexandra Watkins. I am Chief Executive Boss Lady at Eat My Words. Wonderful. I found you in your book and I finished it. It was one of the best business books I've read probably over the course of the last couple of years. I thought it was excellent. And just as a synopsis, I'd love for you to just give an overview about your book for someone who hasn't had a chance to read it yet. Sure. My book is called Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. It was named an Inc. Magazine Top 10 Marketing Book and also Top 10 Marketing Book by Branding Journal. And the book is a step-by-step process on how to create brand names that stick. And you will, it's very fun and entertaining to read, which I, I hope you'll, you will agree. And I wrote it for people that don't want to read about, you know, the theory of brand names or, you know, all of that you know, jargon, you know, mumbo jumbo. There's none of that. There's no fluff. It's just for people, people, I know with the brand name, people are like, God, I'm ready to go with my business. I just don't have a name yet. It's it's often the last thing. So the book is designed to help you get through it quickly. It gives you tons of brainstorming ideas and it will help you evaluate if your name is good or if it sucks. And that's one of the reasons why I love the book. I run into this a lot. We help companies franchise their business. And it happens often enough where a client actually has to go through a rebranding process because they're not able to secure the trademark for their, oh. their name as they start to expand. So they often have a great name. It sounds wonderful. But uh, sometimes that name is already taken. And now they've got to go through a rebrand. So I'd love for you just to, as a starting point, maybe talk through some of these mistakes, common mistakes that you see people make when they start going through a naming process or even a renaming process. Yeah, that's a great question. So, and and I can talk, we've done so many rebrands and I know when you are 
when you go to franchise and suddenly you're going on a national level, you can't always get the trademark, a federal trademark. So the biggest mistake that people make is where they start. They start at GoDaddy. I love GoDaddy, but that's where we go last, looking for a domain name. Do not worry about your domain name. If you are a franchise business, you are a brick and mortar, correct? In some cases, about half of franchises are brick and mortar and about a half are going to be home-based or some kind of service business. Okay, but they're not a pure online business. Correct. Okay, so you do not need, like Eat My Words, we're eatmywords.com, but we could easily be Eat My Words names, Eat My Words branding. So don't worry about your domain name. And I will give you some inspiration here. The best, what I love are super creative brand names. So for instance, there's a peanut butter company called Peanut Butter and Co. And that's their domain name, but they also have ilovepeanutbutter.com. And if you go to peanutbutterandco.com, it redirects to ilovepeanutbutter.com. Why? Because it's more fun. Like that's what the employees want on their business cards. So, and it's, it's an unforgettable name. So another one is a smoked turkey mail order company. So they're Company name is Greenberg Smoked Turkeys, but you know, you don't know how to spell Greenberg when I say it. Is it you are B-U-R-G or B-E-R-G? Their domain name, again, unforgettable, is gobblegobble.com. And lastly, we did a popcorn, gourmet popcorn store concept. And the name of the store was that we came up with was Pop Psychology. And we couldn't get the domain name. Psychology is tricky to spell for some people. So the domain name was crazyforpopcorn.com. I love those names. Well, one of the things that stood out to me in the book is that you talked about not bringing outsiders into the naming process. So talk about why you suggest not having these outsiders part of that process. What I like to say is, would can you imagine if, Richard Branson had done a survey monkey to his mates asking them what they thought of Virgin. I mean, maybe his mates would have thought it was cool. By the way, I, I'm getting my book. I think he already has it. I did a speaking engagement last week with Ty Lopez and he's speaking with Richard this week. So in Australia, so I'm getting my book to him, but yeah, don't survey people. Don't ask people what they think. When you ask outsiders, what do you think of this name? That's not what they hear you saying. What they hear you saying is, what don't you like about it? When you ask someone's opinion, it's an invitation to criticize. Apple never asks what people think of the names they come out with. They just launch the name. Certainly. And I know there was the whole issue between Apple computers and Apple records with the Beatles for many years. I know there was an issue with naming and then the iTunes and a whole lot of things that came out. And They just rolled with it, right? They eventually figured that out and found common ground. Yeah, and you can peacefully coexist, but you don't want to just think that you can. You have to go through all the proper channels. Sounds like you have some great trademark hookups. I do as well. But yeah, definitely due diligence in, in that area. One of the things you share and talk about is the brainstorming process. So you talk about not inviting outsiders to give their opinion or criticism, as you described. That was very well said. 
you also talk about problems that you found that are common when people start brainstorming. So I'd love for you to talk about what some of those problems are and what you suggest to actually do during the brainstorming. Okay, great question. When people brainstorm traditionally in corporate, they sit in a white room, right? You're in like sterile conference room, staring at a whiteboard, and you're expecting colorful ideas to materialize. And what people are doing is they're relying on their own brain. So everything that they're trying to come up with is just based on their own knowledge. My And so they're just, you know, throwing out ideas and trying to, you know, amalgamate things like, oh, let's combine this word and this word. And then, you know, that's how you end up with names like, you know, Cogent Tiva or just like these bizarre names. So what I suggest instead, read the book, follow that, you know, learn how, what makes a good name, have everybody on the team do it. Then come to the meeting prepared where everyone comes already having brainstormed on their own. The best place to brainstorm is online. And in my book, I give you a ton of online resources. If you, I also have an online course and that has even more. So when you brainstorm online, you are going to open up so many new resources that you never thought of. And here's an example. If you were sitting with your team around the conference table, if you were ideating names for a frozen yogurt store, for instance, and you're all thinking of, okay, let's concept around the the word cold. How many things could you come up with versus going to a thesaurus and looking up the word cold? You're going to get a lot more ideas that way. So it's as simple as a thesaurus or, you know, go to stock photo house, type in the word cold. Go to Stock Photo Library and you're going to see pictures that will inspire names. And that, that's actually how I came up with the name for, well, I've named three frozen yogurt stores, but one of them franchise. And that's how I came up with the name, looking at, at photos online. While you're talking about rebranding or naming it and coming up with it, I'd, I'd love for you to share a little bit about that story. Certainly, we have folks tuning in that have recently franchised or in the process or maybe a growing franchise and may run into a similar issue at some point. Yeah, no, this, I love this story. So the company was, it was a frozen yogurt store in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and they were going to launch with the name Zenyo, like Zen yogurt. And it's like, really, is anyone going to buy a t-shirt with that? And what I always like to think about naming a business is, can they, you know, how can we monetize the name so they can make money off the name? So I knew no one was going to buy t-shirts with Zenyo. They read an article about me in a magazine. They're like, well, all right, let's just try it. You know, we have this as our backup name, but let's try it. And it was at the time when Pinkberry was gaining popularity. And there were so many Pinkberry copycats. There's Yo Berry, Blissberry, Coolberry, Yumberry, you know, Yogi Berry. There's a, a ton of them. So they're like, we don't want a name with a color and a fruit. Even Red Mango is a ripoff of Pinkberry, if you think about it, because it's a color and a fruit. Like, not like neither, neither Pinkberry or Red Mango are even really clever names. So we're like, don't worry, no fruit, no berries, no color. We are not going to do that. So idea we came up with so many fun names like some of my favorites are joe yo and like joe blow joe yo chateau yo that i came up with with a rhyming dictionary frigid that was through a thesaurus 
Another one was Siberia. And that I came up with looking up coldest places on earth. And I was just reading. I like to skim and read. And the word Siberia popped off the page at me. And I was like, yes, that would be really fun for kids to say, hey, mom, I'm going to Siberia. You know, I'll be back before 10 o'clock or whatever the bedtime is for teens in Utah. So the name that that I came up with, though, it looked, did a search on Google for eating frozen yogurt, eat frozen yogurt. And I saw all these spoons and boom, it popped in my head, Spoon Me. So Spoon Me became the name and they had so much fun with that name and they really monetized it. So when a new franchise location was opening, instead of the sign saying coming soon, it said spooning soon, right? So that aroused a lot of curiosity. Then on the door, the the front door, because they were in Utah, it said for the store hours, It said no spooning on Sunday. It also said no shirt, no shoes, no spoon. And then inside the store, you could buy t-shirts that said things like shut up and spoon me. They had bumper stickers. If you're driving this close, you might as well spoon me. And they had booty shorts that said spoon me on them. So yeah, that, that name, you know, I like to say they were making cold, hard cash off that name. Well, what a great story. Certainly a fun, memorable, clever name that you were able to come up with there. It's a great story. One of the things that I found interesting in your book is when you talked about businesses naming things such as conference rooms or lunch cafeteria areas or meeting rooms and so on, just applying this through not just the company name and also even as you create new products and new services and naming those. So talk through why you think that's important. Well, let's talk about conference rooms. So some of my favorite conference room names are from a company whose name just I, I don't like. It's Etsy, right? It took me forever to remember the name Etsy. It just, there's no, look, here's the thing with names. You want your name to be memorable. There's nothing in our brain that makes it easy to remember Etsy other than maybe if you know someone named Betsy. Maybe that's how they say it. it's like Betsy without the B. But even so, Etsy, like we, your brain needs something familiar to latch onto. And Etsy, I could never remember. And I know I'm not the only person, but because it's it, like eBay, such a cool platform, it doesn't matter what they were named. But look, when you're starting out with a blank slate, don't give yourself any disadvantages. So Etsy's meeting room names are musician food mashups. So for instance, Oreo Speedwagon, Sushi and the Banshees, Fleetwood Mac and Cheese. So what that does is it's just part of the culture, right? It's fun. Employees love to say, say like, oh, we're meeting in Fleetwood Mac and Cheese. So much more fun than saying we're meeting in conference room 23A, right? So also when you have fun names, so, you know, it could be childhood toys, child, you know, dances, the funky chicken, cha-cha. You know, we're meeting in Cha-Cha. We're meeting in the, you know, Lindy Hop. Those are fun. So employees like it. And then if you're like doing childhood toys, like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, you know, it gets conversations started. So you're bringing people together and then it's just a conversation starter. And it's free to name conference rooms, right? No one needs to trademark them. That's what I like. And also team name. One of my favorites is Toastmaster Clubs. A lot of companies have Toastmaster Clubs. 
There's so many good ones. I'll tell you my two favorites, Pacific Gas and Electric. There's is Electric Toasters and Bayer, the pharmaceutical company. They have a pet division and it's called Sit, Stay, Speak. You reference a couple of different acronyms in the book. You have a, a SMILE acronym and a SCRATCH acronym and you go on length and certainly in the book. So hopefully someone who's listening in, pick up your book and read it and go through in detail, but maybe just give a quick overview of those acronyms and, and how they help through this process. So the SMILE and SCRATCH task is a 12-point name evaluation task. It's based on my philosophy that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. It doesn't need to make you laugh. It just needs to create a smile in your mind like you get it, right? So if I tell you that we named a GPS for dogs, retriever, you get it, right? You're like, oh yeah, everybody wants to feel smart. We all want to feel clued in. No one wants to feel clueless. And by the way, I looked before the show, I looked up top franchises and I saw Orange Theory. Orange Theory, for years, I thought it was a juice bar. And I know I'm not the only person who did, like Orange Julius, right? So yeah, that's a name that, yeah, unless you really, you, you went there, you would have no idea what Orange Theory even meant. But back to Smile and Scratch. So Smile is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name awesome. It's suggestive. So it, it evokes something positive about your brand. It's memorable. We talked about that. So it's based in something familiar that people already have an association with. Example, kryptonite bike locks. We all know kryptonite from Superman. We know kryptonite repels Superman. Therefore, kryptonite would repel bike thieves. And it's already based in our not. It's we already have it in our brain. The I stands for imagery. When people hear your name or they see it, if they can picture something in their mind, that's going to help them remember it later. People remember images much more easily than they remember words or letters. The L stands for legs, and legs is when your name lends itself to a theme. So for instance, at Eat My Words, as you can imagine, our theme is food and beverage. So, you know, we have packages like supermarket special and fun size. We have a menu of services. Our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. So you can have a lot of fun. And if you're a franchise, that's a great way for you to extend your brand. Like, with pop psychology, with crazy for popcorn, right? And like the popcorn came in, you know, wrapped in shrink wrap and the sweet and salty tin was bipolar. And I think all of these would probably be like offensive now, but this is years ago. And then the the holiday mix with all of the different flavors, you know, six flavors, that was multiple personality disorder. Oh, and we also had Munchausen syndrome. So that's a theme, right? Psychology, we can really extend the brand that way. And the E stands for emotional. You want your name to make an emotional connection and resonate with your customers. Otherwise, it's going to go right over their head. And then scratch, the flip side, the way to remember that scratch is if it makes you scratch your head, scratch it off the list. So the S stands for spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. It's going to frustrate people and it will frustrate you. You want your name to be friction free. And that's what, if you follow scratch, you will eliminate the friction. So the next C and scratch, the first C and scratch stands for copycat. We talked about that with Pinkberry and all the Pinkberry ripoffs. 
when people see your your copycat name, they roll their eyes and they think, oh, they copied, you know, oh, they copied Pinkberry. Why be somebody else when you can be yourself? R stands for restrictive, and that's where you outgrow your name. So for instance, Burlington Coat Factory, we're more than just coats, right? If you have to make a disclaimer, th- then you've outgrown your name. Canadian Tire, they sell tons of merchandise, way more than tires. They should have changed their name years ago, but they, they kept it. But yeah, you know, anytime you'll see like fast signs for years, their tagline was more than fast, more than signs. And that's a big franchise, right? More than fast, yep. more than signs. Don't out, don't outgrow your name or look into your crystal ball when you're coming up with your name and make sure. I know that we never know what's going to happen, right? None of us knew ChatGPT was going to take over the world. Look into your crystal ball and think, what can we possibly sell in the future? Then the A stands for annoying. Again, talking about friction-free, you do not want that friction. So don't spell your name backwards. Don't put numbers in your name, like, you know, coast to coast with the numeral two. You are forever going to have to tell people, oh, it's a number two. And again, it's going to lead to frustration. T stands for tame. You don't want your name to be tame because you need to stand out, right? And you do not want to be a wallflower. Don't be boring. Then the second C in Scratch stands for curse of knowledge. That's where you know what the name, Orange Theory, perfect example, curse of knowledge. Nobody driving by would have any idea what orange theory is. And it's something, some like, I think cardio level, you get into the orange zone. Orange zone would have made more sense to me than orange theory. It's the word theory that really throws me off. And then the H in scratch, this is a really important one, hard to pronounce. You want your name to only be pronounced one way. And I have a great example for you. I am working right now with a woman who is the queen of cricket. And cricket is spelled C-R-I-C-U-T. And for years, I was pronouncing this cricut. It's a, it's a crafting thing. It's a vinyl, vinyl crafting thing. There's entire rows of, you know, you go to Joanne or Michaels, there's entire rows of what I thought was cricut. And so talking to my client, Abby, and she's telling me about cricket. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I had said cricut. She's like, oh, everyone says it wrong. Look, look, if I was, you know, getting into crafting and hearing about it and someone's telling me like, oh, you have to check out Cricut. It's so much fun. You'll love it. And someone else is telling me about Crycat. I would have no idea. It was exactly the same thing. So Cricut recently redesigned their logo to have little like antennas on the sea, like a Cricut and they have a little Cricut character. But look, your name needs to be able to appear in black and white on the top franchise list, right? Where there's no there's no little logo with it. There's no colors. There's no weird capitalization. It's just somebody should be able to read it as a proper noun and know intuitively how to pronounce it and what it means or, you know, a hint of what it is. Someone might be listening and say, you know, I wonder... Should I rename my company or maybe they're starting to franchise and they have to maybe because they're not able to get a trademark. And so is it ever too late to change the name of your brand? No, that's a great question. We renamed a bank that was more than 100 years old. 
They were an award-winning regional bank named First National Bank of Syracuse, but they were in Syracuse, Kansas, and they sounded like a New York bank. And people in Kansas don't want to bank with New Yorkers, as you can imagine. So they had really outgrown their name. They wanted something that was more maverick. And they were all about helping people make their dreams come true. They financed a lot of farms. So we rebranded them Dream First. So it's a really aspirational name that is so breakthrough and different than a regular bank name. And we also just renamed another another brand that was more than 100 years old. This is a number of health centers in Los Angeles that serve the underserved communities. And the name was Queen's Care. They had to lose the name through some, some I don't know, some breakup that they had. The, the hardest thing for us is when somebody's being forced to rename their company and they don't want to lose the name, but they have to because they're so emotionally tied to it. And so we are, you know, we're facing an uphill battle, but we rebranded them Grace Light. And Grace Light is a pretty name. It it works with, you know, they're faith-based. You know, it's all about illumination and, you know, grace, just, you know, giving grace. And it's just a beautiful, pretty name. And they love it. Great examples here. Well, how can someone find out a little bit more about what you're doing and get a copy of your book as well? Okay. Well, you can go to eatmywords.com. You can, there's a page there for the book and it will take you or just go on Amazon and get it. Make sure there's, it's the second edition. So make sure it has the blue name tag on it instead of the red one. Then you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot and that's where I post all the podcasts. Yeah. And eatmywords.com. If you want to run your name through the smiling scratch task, There's an interactive one that you can do there. And there's also a lot of other renaming resources. Like you can take my mini masterclass for free. Yeah, there's a lot. And it's a really entertaining and inspiring website. And I I encourage you to look through our portfolio at the before and after name examples. You'll be really inspired. Great. And we'll make sure we include those links in the show notes as well. So, Alexandra, as we make this transition here, the first question we ask every guest before they go is, have you had a miss or two on your journey and something you learned from it? Yes. The miss that I had was I named a consulting firm Altimeter Group. And I thought everyone would know how to pronounce Altimeter because I've known how to pronounce that since I was young. I don't know how. I just did. But I didn't realize not everyone knew how to pronounce it. And some people call it altimeter. Yeah, altimeter, which is weird. And to me, that doesn't even sound like a word, altimeter. But yeah, instead of altimeter. So I learned, you know, make sure people can pronounce it. And it's it's like high-end consulting. So I, you know, I thought, okay, people are educated. They'll know how. No, that was a mistake. And I would say that would be the fail. On the other side, you've shared some great examples of some renames and different client success stories you've shared. Is there another make or or win that you've had that you'd like to share? So my win is there was a company that came to us. The guy, he had seen me speak at Stanford. And a couple of years later, he came to us and said, I have, I, I have a vertical farming company. So they grow produce indoors. And it's called Seed Jane Farm. 
but no one under 30 knows the reference to the Dick and Jane books from when we were kids. And we want to be a global brand and see Jane Farm. Like they're not going to know the Dick and Jane books either. So we need a new name that's better fit for us. So we rebranded them plenty. Right after we rebranded them plenty, they received $200 million in funding from SoftBank. Then I have a free subscription to Time Magazine and I rarely crack it open. And this one with Kim Kardashian on it with the 100 Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential Companies, it sat on my coffee table for months and I finally cracked it open. And I saw that Plenty was named one of the top 100 most influential companies. And it's, you know, it's been years since that happened. And they have raised almost a billion dollars now. Wow, what a story. What a story. Well, congratulations on that. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about a multiplier. We get such a wide range of responses when we ask clients, have you used a multiplier to grow yourself personally or professionally or maybe a business or an organization you've been involved with? Yeah, well, I am involved with many. I'm a big volunteer, very involved in my community. But my multiplier, I had to think about this, is I love going on podcasts. I have been on almost 100 of them, most of those in the last year, and I'm kind of on a roll. And so, yeah, that's what it kind of, you know, it keeps me going. It's exciting and fun. And I love coming on and meeting, meeting people like you, Tom, and then getting, getting the message out there. That is really fun for me. Wonderful. Well, and the final question we ask every guest is what does success mean to you? Well, I have achieved success and it means living in my Barbie dream house. And I do. I'm look I work out of our pool house. I turned it into a really fun office. If you're watching this video, you can see behind me there's a lot of color. I'm looking out over the pool with two giant pink flamingos named Maui and Wowie. We have a surfboard fence and a tiki bar and there's a pirate in the hammock where there's a skeleton left over. We have a lot of Halloween decorations that we just keep in the backyard because they're fun all year. <laughs> a lot of skeleton pirates. But yeah, there's a skeleton in the hammock with a Chris. I just put a Santa hat on him. So yeah, no, I I, I live by the beach. And yeah, I, I feel like I have achieved I have achieved the dream. Well, Alexandra, as we bring this to a close, is there anything you were hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet? Yeah, I'll tell you my favorite name of all time. So it's a bike pump. Bike companies have the best names. And this is a bike pump and it's named Joe Blow. Were you involved in creating that? And I wish up with I was. It? No, no. Okay. I was, how I found it is I was on a, a date with this guy and we were driving somewhere and there was something like rattling around in his trunk. And I'm like, do you have a dead body in your trunk? <laughs> when we got to the destination, he opened his trunk and I saw it was his bike pump and it was Joe Blow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the best name. I will never forget that name. Alexandra, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is avoiding common naming mistakes. And the first one is when companies or leaders focus too much on finding the perfect domain name for the business. And she said, don't worry about finding the domain. You can do that later. Number two is she said, don't bring insiders 
into your naming process. So she said, don't bring them in. Do this internally or maybe just you come up with a name because you on the inside, your company and your team will have a better sense than some outsider that's not as involved. Takeaway number two is when she talked about the best way to brainstorm for new ideas. And she said, what you don't do is just have everyone sit in a room and stare at a blank screen. She said, have people come prepared to your brainstorming session where everyone gathers their own ideas first. And she said, the best way to do that is go to Google and just type in names, look at images through stock library or Google searches, use a thesaurus and think about different ways that you can maybe monetize the brand after it's created. And takeaway number three is her smile and scratch test. And both of which are acronyms, but I love the simplicity of what she described. If your name makes you smile, chances are it's a winner. If you have to scratch your head and wonder what does that mean, it's probably the wrong choice. So I just even from that simple application and certainly the details that come along with each of those are fantastic. So let's go ahead and jump into today's win-win. So today's win-win is when Alexandra talked about renaming your brand. And this is something I really wanted to talk with her about because it's something I see a lot of our clients have struggles with when they start franchising their business where maybe they're not able to secure the trademark for their name and they're worried about what's going to happen to their brand. And what Alexandra said is that it's never too late to change the name of a brand. And in fact, if you listen to the podcast episode before this one, where we interviewed Charles Watson, the CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe, he talked about how his brand actually rebranded several times. And that's a very large franchise system. I thought that was interesting. And we've seen other changes where some of them have been large changes or small changes, but still name brand changes. She said, it's never too late. It's okay. And I've seen many clients go through rebranding and renaming very successfully. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.